So what are you doing back? Well, I sat back and thought about the things we used to do. It really meant a lot to me. You mean a lot to me. I really mean that much to you? Girl, you know it's true. So anyway, we're doing Millie Vanilli today. If you couldn't figure it out. Millie Vanilli. Offbeat Tracks. Welcome to episode seven. I'm so happy we're talking about Millie Vanilli because, oh man, there's just so much like bad juju surrounding Millie Vanilli and they just don't deserve it. And I thought about this too. I mean, like, I don't know, people who know us personally, we are not like people who were alive for most of the music that we talked about. That's very true. And especially, and some of it we were alive for, like Sly Fox, I was technically alive for, but I was, you know, a (laughs) tiny baby trying to figure out how to crawl. (laughs) (laughs) I was technically alive when Millie Vanilli was out, but Yeah, but we like remember it. I I I do at least. I do not remember Millie Vanilli. Oh my God. They were the first group that I remember loving. I was obsessed with Millie Vanilli. Interesting. I remember the moment that I found out about their lip syncing. That's like... The worst moment of my life. I threw a tantrum at a restaurant when my parents told me. Really? I threw a tantrum. And the WW Cousins, like right by the bakery part. And I go there a lot still. And I think about it every time. Did... (laughs) <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> that's a did, real thing i was did, five no, but like did your parents like know you were a fan and they took you out to dinner to break it to you i don't know we were just like going out to dinner but like my mom was a huge fan of millie vanilli so like i grew up oh. listening to a lot of like the stuff that she had and i remember like she was really into def leppard she was really into uh george michael i remember those two but the one that i loved the most that i like independently loved was millie vanilli so we had the cassette and we'd play it all the time and so my mom and dad told me that they were lip syncing and I didn't quite know what that meant. But then when they told me that they were like fakes, I was like, no, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Cause I remember having a conversation about my dad or with about Millie Vanilli rather with my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was like way after the fact, because I didn't get into Millie Vanilli until, um, the late 1990s at mm-hmm. some point. Um, while, uh, this was while Rob Pilatus was still alive. And I, it was when VH1 did the, the behind the music special. The on them. first episode. And I kind so of, good. yeah, yeah, it was their first episode. Mm-hmm. Right. How did I forget that? Yeah, it was their uh, best one, frankly. It was their best, um, uh, because it's such a great story. And um, I think that was also kind of the first time that Rob and Fab sort of got to tell the story. Oh, yeah, I think it was. they hadn't really had a platform to do that until then, or they felt like they couldn't tell the real story until I then. I don't think anybody wanted to listen. But anyway, yes, to go, I, I had a conversation about my dad, <laughs> about it with my dad, and he's like, I don't get why they were so mad at those guys. Everybody lip syncs at their concerts. That's exactly what I thought, too. Like, once I got older, I was like, wait a minute. Everyone does this. Haven't you ever watched any TV show from, like, the 70s or 80s? None of those people sang live. Well, not none of them. There were a few you could tell they really were, but... Right, but the problem, of course, with uh, with Robin Fab is that they, they never sang at all, which was the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think... Um, I'm hoping you know more about their backgrounds than I do, because I know I, they were models, I believe. Yes. Um, I think Fabrice was born in France, but... Rob was definitely German, and the genesis of this group is in Germany. Yeah, and I think they spent they spent some time. I know Fabrice now is based out of Amsterdam. Uh huh. So like they kind of were all around Europe. Really, when they started breaking it big, they barely spoke English. It, well, yes, and that would cause problems for them later mm-hmm. on. But yeah, they barely spoke and- English. They were really just two guys, um, Frank Farian found. Frank Farian is a very cool dude. I think we should start with Frank Farian and who he is as a human. Yes. Uh, be- AKA one of my favorite people, and I don't care what you think about it. <laughs> I'm, I want him to be my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so hot on, on Mr. Farian. I appreciate his music, but um, his ethics are not in order, in my opinion. Frank Farian, started, Frank Farian started in Germany. He's just this little skinny, ugly German guy, nerdy <laughs> dude. 
But he was he was he started off as a musician himself. He was a singer, and he came up with a few songs, and he tried to you know get them out. No one cared because he's this little ugly guy. So he creates a couple songs and then decides he's going to get other people to be the face of his music. Right. Wasn't he in Boney M? He started Boney M. He was the voice of Bobby Farrell and Boney M. Uh And Boney M is one of my favorites of all time up there with Millie Vanilli. You are the disco queen. Boney M is fantastic. They really did not hit it big here at all. They weren't really a U.S. group. But they're one of the best-selling bands of all time around the world. Like, they're up there around the world. They're up there with ABBA. They're up there with the Bee Gees of disco. Like, wow. I did they're not crazy. Know that. Yes. Like, they are one of the biggest groups of all time. But he did the same thing with them. Like, he has a great song, Boney M, Daddy Cool, which is a ridiculous little <laughs> novel, but it's awesome. It's like, crazy like a fool. What about Daddy Cool? Da, na, 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 na. It's awesome. I could just sing the whole stuff right now, but I won't do that. That's not why you're listening. Anyway, uh, he sang those vocals. Bobby Farrell never got to sing until the 80s, and then no one cared about Boney M anymore because Frank Farrell was right. Uh, but he was very forthright, like, I made, I made this up. And really no one cared. People cared, but they, by the time, you know, that came out, Boney M was pretty much just 70s fodder. Oh, you mean he he admitted that he basically yeah, later. manufactured Boney M? Yeah, he basically. I don't. I don't think anyone cared. It wasn't really, from what I've read, ever an uproar. No, but I they're mean, still huge there. I heard Rasputin. They did a song about Rasputin. They rah rah Rasputin. Rasputin. Yeah, played at every single gay club I ever went I to in France. Would, I think that would be the uh, most likely reason for U.S. audiences to know Boney M because Rasputin yeah. is in. Uh, I think it's the second edition of Just Dance. It is. Yes, I freaked. Out, yeah. It's also played, if you ever go to a gay bar in France, you will not go in without hearing that song. And I don't know why. Interesting. Maybe it's just the line, Russia's greatest love machine. I don't know, but <laughs> well, it's fantastic. I think the reaction to Boney M being a studio manufacturer versus Millie Vanilli being a studio manufacturer is Boney M, I don't think, was a... I, I, don't, I don't think Boney M was being sold as a serious group with I serious give, yeah, artistry. Yeah, I give you that. And Millie Vanilli was. And to note, that was they actually did sing, Boney M did sing live themselves, like on tours. Oh, we'll see. There you go. Yeah, that's a difference there. It's a little bit of a difference. But I mean, on those records, that's not Bobby Farrell. That's actually Frank Farian. Wow. Which is weird. I did not know that. Because he sounds very cool. He does. He sounds like a very cool, like, black dude with an afro. But really, it's <laughs> Frank Farian, who's this little skinny German guy. Well, there you go. He is not daddy cool. <laughs> uh, so... Frank Farian has this mm-hmm. idea for a group. We're in like 1988 now. Mm-hmm. And he has this idea for a group. Um, and he puts together, basically, he assembles a team of studio musicians. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, in, I th- it was somewhere in Germany, I think it was Munich, sees Rob and Fab, like, dancing in a club. Yeah. And I guess he just saw dollar signs flashing in front of his face. Mm-hmm. Um, but he signs them to a contract that basically said that they would not have to sing, that they would just perform and be the face of the group, um, and that they would not actually have to sing. Exactly. And he gave them he gave them an advance of money, uh-huh. and they pretty much just spend that immediately on clothes and cool hair extensions, all of that good stuff. And then at some point, Frank Farian comes to them and says, okay, we got to do this now. We already recorded it. Go be Millie Vanilli. And they're like, wait, what? because <laughs> they had no idea what was going on right and um they may have had an idea but they might have been just a little bit too young and naive and just saw dollar signs and were like hey that sounds good i want more clothes and this is where the scruples of frank Farian come into question mm-hmm. because it's like did he mislead two kids who just wanted to be famous and get rich and did he say hey you know i'm gonna 
you're going to be wealthy, but not really tell them the full story of what they were going to be doing. Yeah, according to Robin Fab, they they always said that they were kind of misled, and they were basically well, enslaved in a way to be this thing that they didn't want to be. Right, and this this story would not come out until the behind the music, exactly, because for the several years after Millie Vanilli. Uh, Robin Fab kind of um, did not say that, but we'll we'll, we'll get there. Um, let's let's talk about the music stuff. Let's <laughs> let's live in the good times. <laughs> live in the good times. So this album comes out in 1989 uh, in the United States, and uh, it was called. Uh, I think I think the album had two different names. It did. For, Worldwide Europe, it was All or Nothing, which All came or nothing, out first. That's right. And then in the U.S., it was called Girl. You know it's true. Yes. <laughs> and um, I do know it's true. Oh yes, it is. I've always known it's true. Um, yeah, no, it was called yeah. All the or Nothing. The irony is just palpable. And going along with what is going to come out later, there's something of note. All or Nothing, Girl, You Know It's True, are virtually the same. There are a couple different tracks that don't exactly jive. Um, I actually right. don't think All or Nothing even was a single in the U.S. Um, it was but not. what was very important for what comes out later, All or Nothing did not have Robin Fab on the vocals on the insert. Correct. But Girl, You Know It's True had Robin Fab credited vocals and that was a big old problem because they did not sing a note and yes that that was the issue mm-hmm. um so the first album or the first single rather was the title track go you know it's true mm-hmm. which was a huge hit i mean this was like a it's mass- iconic yeah it's massive hit worldwide it was number three uk uh number two us um hit number one a couple countries in europe i mean yeah this was a huge hit it's a great song just really straight mm-hmm. up uh, of the times kind of 1989 r&b pop it's that beautiful transition from 80s to 90s yes. that you'll see. It's the perfect marker for that. It is. It's like, and, and it was a little bit ahead of its time because the song sounds very 1990, mm-hmm. but it was recorded in 1988. So it was ahead of its time. It's a great song. I sing, I've sung it in karaoke many times with yeah. a little dance. <laughs> yeah, you have to do the dance. Most people don't know what I'm doing. I don't care. So Girl You Know It's True is released to worldwide success, mm-hmm. um, and they followed us up immediately with another huge hit in Baby. <laughs> don't forget my number. Yes. Baby, don't forget my number. Uh, also dropped uh, toward the end of 1988, uh, not too soon um, after um, after Girl You Know It's True. Yeah. But yeah, again, huge hit. Um, uh, this was their first number one in the U.S., Really, girl, you know it's true. Wasn't number one? No, it was number two. So I love the charts and how weird timing is on certain things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, yeah. So, baby, don't forget my number. Their first U.S. number one. Another big hit. Um, I I love this song. I just love it. It was it it was my favorite probably all my life until recently. I don't know. It's like I, I've always said this with bands that I love. You can always tell that I love a band if I can't decide what my favorite song of theirs is or it changes from time to time. Yes. Millie Vanilli is one of those okay. for me. I feel like we had a similar genesis, but we'll get there in a moment. Let's hear, okay, a, little, yeah, yeah. Let's hear a clip of Baby Don't Forget My Number First. So from my discovery of Millie Vanilli, my mm-hmm. favorite track of theirs was always Baby Don't Forget My Number, until probably three or four years ago, and then it changed to what was their next single, 
And I'm wondering if you had the same genesis because their next single was Blame It on the Rain. Blame It on the Rain is also a classic, I think. Yes. Um, written, of course, by my favorite songwriter of all time, Diane Warren. I was about to say, is that a Diane Warren when you said you your favorite? Because I it know you is, love Diane Warren. It is a Diane Warren She's song. a genius. She, yeah, is, that's... she is the greatest pop writer who has ever lived, in my opinion. I love her songs. And she's fantastic on Twitter. Oh my God. Her, yes. If you're not she's following... one of the best people to follow. If you are not following Diane Warren on Twitter, do it immediately. She's, it's like all she's her... Diane underscore Warren. And yeah, everything she tweets is like about her cat or about... Or about how much she hates Donald Trump. Yeah, or about what a fucking twat someone has been. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. Go follow this woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she, she, one of the many gifts she has bestowed uh, upon this world is Blame It on the Rain. Um, it's just such a gorgeous, it's, it's one of those songs that's kind of mid-tempo. It's mm-hmm. not really a ballad, and it's definitely not like an up-tempo dance song. It's just a beautiful mid-tempo with like these these beautiful keyboard um, mm-hmm. motifs and, and riffs and whatnot, and it builds up into like a crescendo in that chorus. Oh, very it's much. beautiful! Whoever sang it was great. <laughs> Now, I know you love this next one. I love this next one. It's like my... <laughs> is this your favorite one now? I don't... It might be. I don't know. The video is so dumb, and I love it so oh, much. Oh, yeah. The video is so awful. Yeah. It's just basically... Yeah. Anyway, this, I'm talking about, um, girl, I'm gonna miss you. That's the one. And uh, this was, by the way, their third US number one hit. Blame It on the Rain also hit number one. So this was their wow. third. They've hit three number ones in a row now. Which is huge. 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 Um, and... This was their, this was like the real, the true ballad. This is the Millie Vanilli ballad. Mm-hmm. Um, just a nice little breakup song. Yeah, the, the video is really funny. It's like, there's like a painter. Like Rob is like yeah. a painter. It's like and they're, I don't they're know like why. having flashbacks to when they they're were like, with the girls. Yeah, they're like on a boat. Then like there's an art show where he's like painted the girl. I don't quite get it. It's really dumb. And it's mostly just them like wearing very tight clothing. And it's great and glorious and very uh it's a little bit euro trash which i think is important to remember about millie vanilli they were huge superstars but <laughs> deep down very euro trash kind of a thing that was always frank farian's um thing. well i also feel a need to point out too that um you know you mentioned they were like walking around and kind of not, but that's sort of like what they were being paid to do yeah that was literally they their were, only job they were turns being, out they were being paid to just, <laughs> to just be two really hot guys walking around lip-syncing songs yeah and they weren't even that great at dancers they were okay. I thought they were pretty good, but they were athletic and athletic looking, and yes. they could like jump and stuff. But and they were hot. I mean, they were they were they were the hottest. Yeah, dudes. they were like pretty smoking hot. So oh my God, that, yeah. that was like that was that was the whole point. And it worked. By golly, didn't it? It worked. There would be one more single off of this uh, album that got worldwide release, uh, and that was All or Nothing. All or Nothing did get on U.S. release? Yes, it, okay. was, it was released in the U.S. It was uh, a number four. So yeah, their first four singles in the now, United Now at this States. point, when did they release All or Nothing? Because at this point, we have to be getting down to uh, when things start to unravel. Well, yes, we'll get there in a moment. 
Because we uh, gotta be getting close. So yes, they've got five singles out in the U.S. I just said four. I misspoke. It's five singles. So they've got "Girl, You Know It's True," "Baby, Don't Forget My Number," "Blame It on the Rain," "Girl, I'm Gonna Miss You," and then "All or Nothing." These songs go number two, number one, number one, number one, and number four. All or Nothing was number four. Yes. So that tells you how like just, massive they were. That's right, and that's nothing. that's why I bring that up. I mean, Millie Vanilli were huge, mm-hmm. and it is important to note that. I mean, these guys were everything. Yes. They sold millions upon millions upon millions of albums, U.S. and worldwide. I mean, they were so popular. And that's why it's so weird and unfortunate that there's sort of this punchline now mm-hmm. because pe- they were so beloved and people were so into the music. And uh, that's and I think also, one reason I'm really glad. I wonder if this. what happened would have happened if they weren't so big. Would it have been such a big story if they were just, you know, a group that had, that was like getting a lot of airplay, but really they're... Their stuff's charting at like number 25. You know, they're not household names. They're not all over MTV. They're not getting Grammys. You mean you're saying you think the dramatic downfall wouldn't have happened? Yeah, I don't know if it would have been nearly the same impact. No, I I definitely think so. I think a lot of it had to do with how huge they were. And and winning the Grammy. That was was a big thing too. Mm -hmm. So we're in 1990 now. Uh, In early 1990, Millie Vanilli wins the Best New Artist Grammy. Unbelievable. (laughs) Like, they were. Who saw that? I mean, Frank Farian had to be going, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Do you think Frank cared? Do you think he was, like, nervous and sweating? And do you think he cared at this uh, point? I mean, from what I've seen of Frank Farian, I don't think he's uh, super into morals or caring about that stuff. I mean, he had basically been doing the same thing for 15 years up at that point. I think, I don't think he cared. I think he might have cared a little bit. I think if he cared, he was worried more about himself than he was about Robin Fab. Or, you know, whatever. I think he knew that he really could just do this again with somebody else. I, I think you're probably right. I don't think he personally cared about um, anybody but himself. Yeah, I'm saying that as someone um, who loves Frank Farian and want him to be my grandpa. <laughs> I just don't think he cares about anyone but himself. Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> I have bad taste in men. <laughs> um, so we're up to 1990 now, late 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, the timing on this is unreal, okay? So... There were, I guess, before we get to the timing, let's, let's talk about the events that led to the unraveling. Are we going to talk about my favorite moment in music history, <laughs> I, which I Snapchatted yesterday? Yes. I'm guessing you were talking about the televised MTV concert in Bristol, Connecticut, <clears throat> where, well, you want to tell the story? Uh, so they're in Bristol, Connecticut, performing at some dumb amusement park or something. And, you know, they're super huge at this point. This is July of 89. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge stars. They're, they go out and uh, they're singing, Girl, You Know It's True, their biggest hit. And the track skips. So, and it skips in the best part. Right. So it kind of looks like the sweetest remix ever. So it's like they get to the chorus and they're like, Girl, you know it's girl, you know it's girl, you know. It's like, how epic of a skip is that? Just number on one. and on and on. So the backing, yeah. the backing track on the CD is yeah, skipping. It's like perfectly skipped. And so, yeah, it's looping perfectly. Girl, you but know it's but girl. they're on stage. Girl, you know it's girl, you and the, it, the people in the audience don't get it. No, they don't give a shit. They're like, this is awesome. Rob and Fab freak out. Ro- like, Rob runs off a stage. Yes. I mean, I don't know how you would fix that anyway. But like, right? yeah, Fab was just kind of like, okay, girl, you know it's good. Right. Rob's like, oh, dang. Well, and again, I mean, <laughs> this this was not like the smoking gun or anything, too. No. Because like we said earlier, people lip sync at concerts all the time. Exactly. So it was it would it was not a big deal. Yeah, that, and you know, it was it, it was such a perfect skip that people didn't really didn't notice. Right. So, so it, was, it wasn't like I, I don't I don't mean to give the impression that it was a smoking gun, but 
there were already questionable things, such as Robin Fab barely being able to speak English exactly. when they did interviews initially. Yeah. That it sort of led to suspicion. Yeah, they're really good at that. whatever that rapping is that they did. Right. In their- they can rap very intricately in English, but they can't give a simple interview. So that was the, uh, <laughs> that was the problem. Yeah. But yeah. all this series of events um, led eventually to Frank Farian admitting on November 15th, 1990, that in fact Robin Fab had not sung on the Millie Vanilli yeah, album. Yeah, another event that was pretty big is one of the guys who was the original recording dude, one of them... Came out and said they didn't sing this. Uh, yes, he came out is, and said that. I'm glad you brought this up. That's Charles yeah. Charles Shaw. Was Charles his Shaw. Name. And he came out in 1989. He had tried to come out the previous year and say, "Hey, these guys didn't sing," and then he was paid for his silence. Mm-hmm. But he ended up coming out, and it was to the point where they probably they probably could have kept it up after a little while. But probably. finally, but Frank Farian didn't care. One of the things he didn't only he only thought about himself, so he didn't see himself being destroyed by that. So he was like, "Yeah, they didn't sing." So who got the brunt of it? Robin Fab. Exactly. Everybody blamed Robin Fab. Now, mostly because people don't know who Frank Farian is. In a true bold maneuver, as I mentioned, this was on November fifteenth, nineteen ninety, that mm-hmm. Frank Farian admits that uh, Robin Fab did not sing. They gave their Grammy back. Oh, uh, let me do my a, let me do my impression of Rob at that press conference. We give this Grammy back now. Yes, my favorite. <laughs> yeah, still the English <laughs> was not Grammy quite there. Back now. <laughs> it's very Arnold. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, November 24th, 1990, he releases the single, he releases the single Keep On Running, which was intended to be the first uh, cut from the second Millie mm-hmm. Vanilli album. Because we was should already mention, done. Right. The second Millie Vanilli album was already done mm-hmm. and ready to go. And they were promoting, Robin Fab had done TV performances, lip syncing Keep On Running already at this point. Yep. So Keep On Running Still gets released anyway, literally a week after Frank Farian is like, by the way, I just lied my ass off to the entire world because he knew Robin Fab would get blamed and he was right. Yep. So he releases it under the moniker, the real Millie Vanilli. Right. So we have this new formed group now, sort of, uh, the real Millie Vanilli, which was actually just the singers from uh, the original, the original album. It was the people mm-hmm. who sang on the, on the Millie Vanilli first album, uh, minus uh, um, Charles Shaw. They were not hot models. Yeah. Spoiler alert, they but, weren't. And I like I still I don't get that. Like, who cares, right? Well, at the same time, I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of <sighs> groups that looked like the real Millie Vanilli. These right. guys who kind of like were that's, the funk guys, but they weren't huge. That's what I'm saying. They weren't I, huge. I guess, I guess yeah, I guess the There's so much that, you Frank know at this was point. Worried about the pop appeal, I guess. Yeah, I mean at this point, 1989, 1989, like image had become such a huge part of pop stardom. That's true. MTV changed that. Just the most mostly the global kind of world coming together changed that Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's um and i guess frank just thought these these folks were not gonna make it as is but i mean the music like the music was there clearly everybody bought the music loved it but i'm sure the robin fab fab image had a big part of that as well oh yeah um so yeah anyway he goes on and releases the real millie vanilli um puts the real singers on the cover but also hires <laughs> this is my favorite part of all this too he still has to frank ferry in his way into this thing he can't help it i know he hires this other dude um who, his name is escaping me right now um but he hires a dude that looked like robin fab mm-hmm. but wasn't robin fab and he's like well shit i have to do something so he gets this guy's like adds this dude's vocals into a couple of the songs on the album and then gives him a vocal credit so he won't get in trouble again he's like mm, my hands are free my hands are free um and uh puts him on this record too uh, he's, so he's you an see image guy. you see the four people who originally sang in Millie Vanilli 
um, which I guess we should say their names too. They are Brad Howell, John Davis, Jody Rocco, and Linda Rocco. Let's be Just honest. I there. never remember any of their names. Yes, that's but, part of it. Frank Farian. Yes. So that was that was the had a four folks. It was them plus Charles Shaw who sang on the original album, um, and Ray Horton. That was the guy's name. Ray Horton. Ray Horton, and he was kind of just a Robin Fab look-alike. He was just, you know, a, uh, a sort of uh, light-skinned black dude with long hair, and Frank Farian was like, oh, nobody will know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> just through this, it's like very rude and dismissive and quite racist, actually, too, yeah. when you think about it. <laughs> oh, so, Frank. Yeah, he gets this guy's vocals on a few songs, and uh, there you go. You have the real Millie Vanilli. Mm-hmm. Did that do even very well? I don't think it did very well. well I think the Millie the Vanilli thing. thing was the real kind of dead. This is we're not done with Frank Farian's bullshit here. Oh no, he's still got plenty more bullshit. <laughs> the, uh, this album, the real Millie Vanilli, does not get released in the United States because oh, the U.S. Okay. was really kind of the center of the scandal because of the Grammy mm-hmm. thing, and the U.S. audiences were really mad. You know, they did that thing where remember it was like really big at the time, like oh we're mad at this artist and we're gonna throw all your CDs in a oh, pile God. and Ugh. bulldoze them. Like they did it to Sinead O'Connor after she ripped up the Pope on SNL. You know, the, what a time. What a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's better than what we're getting mad about as a country these days. So <laughs> did, did, did they do that to the Dixie Chicks back in the Bush era? I, I think so. I feel like that, that, they, that they may have been the last moment that. for that weird conservative outrage bulldozing CDs. Yeah, no one cares anymore. It's a very specific anymore. form of conservative outrage. Bull, CD bulldozing outrage. There's too much to get outraged at now. So <laughs> they're like, I can't even deal with this anymore. Let's move on. So yeah, Farian does not put out this album, uh, which, by the way, was called "The Moment of Truth." <laughs> he has no shame. <laughs> no, I, I, no, Frank Farian has no shame. Shame and Frank Farian do not live on the same planet. Oh god. So yeah, it was like I mean, the first one is called "Girl, You Know It's True" when it totally wasn't. This one was called "The Moment of Truth," and it was like, yeah, okay, this time I mean it. They would have made it to a third album. It would have been LOL. <laughs> no, seriously, this time. No, that seriously. <laughs> JK. JK, guys. <laughs> um, so, despite uh, not really having a hit on this, there mm-hmm. there are some odd, like, legendary songs on this. Keep On Running is the first single. Very 90s hip house. Very straightforward yeah. kind of um, hip house. It was a very different sound than the first Millie Vanilli album. They, they were definitely, like... Farian is a very forward-thinking producer, and he, yeah. he kind of knew the hip house thing was going to get big, and so this was a very, like, hip house record. There was a song on it. Again, more Diane Warren songs uh, on this album. Uh, she couldn't, I, I guess. <laughs> she she you couldn't know, Diane quit Warren, him. She's at home drinking wine and cashing checks. She doesn't give a <laughs> shit. Whatever. She doesn't care who's singing these songs as long as somebody is and they're running them off the charts and she's making money. Uh, so she writes a couple of songs on here, um, including uh, one that was called uh, Tell Me Where It Hurts. Are you familiar with this song? No. Okay. I don't know much about the real Millie Vanilli. Okay. I was pretty... Uh, I'm pretty stuck to Robin Fab. Okay, well, true love lasts a lifetime. Tell me, <laughs> tell me where it hurts was uh, not a hit for the real Millie Vanilli, yeah. but uh, it was covered a few years later by the Christian singer Kathy Trockley. <laughs> Isn't that super funny? You know, last episode we talked about ICP. Now we're talking about Christian. And now we're talking about Kathy Trockley. This podcast um, is done. Pack it up. And believe it or not, <laughs> Kathy Trockley actually hit the Hot 100 with her version. Isn't that a trip? What year was that? Um, that was 1994. 1994 sucked. No she, wonder. <laughs> she had a... a it's Ace of Base and Kristen Trocarelli or whatever her name was. 
Did you just? I'm sorry. Did you just make a disparaging remark about Ace of Base? No, Ace of Base is great, oh. but then the rest of it is no. Like we're of, about to have words. Ace of Base is the '90s ABBA. I would never say anything bad. Okay. Kristen Trocadelli, whose name I'll never remember, whose name is just going to keep evolving. I think we should play a little bit of her version. Um, so, yes, Frank Farian. I have uh, now converted to Jesus. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy. You got one. <laughs> Thank Good you, job. Kristen Harbadoo. I don't know. <laughs> oh boy, I'm sober. <laughs> um, there are a, a, a few more singles uh, off this album, um, this real Millie Vanilli album, but didn't really do much. You know, yeah. there was never a follow up. That was that. It was uh, done, so Farian, in true Farian form, mm-hmm. realizes about a year or so, a year or two after this real Millie Vanilli album that. Well, holy shit, this could work in the United States. Why not? So he takes all these Millie Vanilli original mm-hmm. singers off the cover again, mm-hmm. takes his Robin Fab lookalike, adds in this rapper woman. Uh, they take off a few of the songs, add a couple more new ones, and this gets released in the United States as Try and Be. <laughs> Another very tongue-in-cheek Frank Farian name, uh, the Try and Be album. Mm-hmm. Oh, Frank. Oh, Frank. <laughs> um, and most of these are just the same songs, but different mixes. And he takes the the two men from the Real Millie Vanilli that were not the Robin Fab lookalike, mixes their vocals out entirely. <laughs> so it's like there are strange sections of the songs where there were vocals in the original version where now it's just instrumental. <laughs> That's on a couple of them. Um, but yeah, this is like... A- Sign me up. <laughs> So this gets released in the U.S. as Try and Be. And, of course, Face Plants. That's yeah. nothing. But I do, I have to mention the song Body Slam, which was also on the, the Room of the Vanilli album, but uh, the Try and Be version is just so good. And this has been on my running playlist for years. It's, I haven't heard it. I, I need to check that out. It's very nice. Oh, we're dropping a clip right here. Changes the same old process. And late at night, they walk the streets restless. And I don't know, maybe you don't give a damn. But it's wild, and it hits me like a body slam. So that's Body Slam. Love it. Been on the running playlist for years. We'll stay there. Yeah, it's um very straight up uh, hip house. No, I just listened to it. Max just let me listen to it. By the way, I'd never heard it. Um, it sounds exactly like something that would have been on Michael Jackson's Dangerous. It does album. It sounds exactly Astute like astute observation. Yes why i'm here so uh try and be of course did nothing just like uh, the moment of truth did nothing um this was kind of the end of frank farian's bullshit with millie vanilli yeah yeah he moves on to other things he moves but... on to other bullshit he did you know labouche bullshit and mm-hmm. other bullshit and plenty of other things that danielle could go on about <laughs> but i know that she would rather talk about uh the question which is what happened to robin fab after all of yes. this because they were like pariahs Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were uh, pretty much blacklisted from 
the world at that point. Um, yeah, they ended up coming out with an album a little bit after, I think it was actually 92, maybe? 93. 93. Um, they came out with their own album called Robin Fab. That's right. It sold like 2,000 records. It's like the worst performing album of all time, maybe. Yeah, 2,000 is bad. And yeah, and th- they, they even had a performance on Arsenio Hall. So I mean, even like with yeah. a live late night oh, TV yeah, performance, that. Yeah. Um, they still, yeah, 2,000 copies. Yikes. Wow. Yeah, it was really bad. It actually wasn't that terrible of music. It really wasn't. Um, no, they're I, really singing on it, by the way. Yes, that was the important um, thing. This is actually... Fab doesn't have a terrible voice. No, Fab no, could sing. Yeah, Fab actually can sing. Rob is not good. No, Rob... Frank Farian even said that a long time ago. When he was like <laughs> asked about it, he was like, Rob was the worst singer I had ever heard. I didn't have a choice. Well, and I think what, what kind of worked on the Rob and Fab thing is that Rob was sort of just kept in the background... Yeah, still, I of mean, course. like he's singing, like he's kind of harmonizing, and he's on the still chorus. hot. So yeah, it works. exactly. Yeah, still hot right. dudes. But you're you're right. Fab actually is quite a good singer. Mm-hmm. And um, this song uh, that we can get it on was the only song they released. Mm-hmm. It was like a promo single. I think it's very sing- New Jack Swing. Very it's... yeah, very early '90s New Jack Swing. Yeah, uh, not memorable at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't. Um, then they didn't have a shot anyway. It could have been the best song ever written. They didn't have a shot. They were still pariahs, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, a lot of it was because they just didn't have, they hadn't had the opportunity to tell their story yet. Yeah, they didn't have an opportunity to tell their story. Nobody wanted to even get near them, I don't think. You know, there was just, they were just the bad guys. They were the scapegoats. And Frank Farian is still doing whatever he's doing. All the while. Girl, if I told you once what I feel for So, a few years later, VH1 premieres this um, this new series called Behind the Music. One of the greatest series ever made. I don't care what anyone says about it. And I thank you for reminding me earlier that they were actually the first episode. Mm-hmm. I, I, they were. I, not, I knew that they were one of the first. I had forgotten they were actually the first, but you're Do you right. Do you know who was second? No. Well, was it Leif Garrett? That is one of my favorite yeah, ones. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, God. Uh, MC Hammer. Oh, yeah. Vanilla awesome. Ice was third. It was very 90s centric. Boy, they were like really into like tragic artists. Yeah, I mean, I think, when you think about it, it wasn't really that far removed from all of that at that point. So this is like 97 when it starts. You know, all this stuff had gone down just really just a few years before. Yes. So in a way, it was actually quite timely. You think back back now and it's like 25 years later, but really back then it wasn't that far removed. So this was a late 90s. I can't remember the exact date. 97, I think. Yeah, I want to say it was around 97 or 98. Yeah. Uh, But they, they, they put... Rob and Fab in front of cameras and let them for the first time sit down and tell the story of what happened to them. And this time, because when you saw Rob and Fab on Arsenio, like performing at that mm-hmm. time, they were like, they were trying to salvage their careers. They're like, it, I, I remember them saying, we don't blame anybody. We take all the blame ourselves. It was all our fault. Totally different story now. Yeah. And it was very much like what you said earlier. They kind of got roped into it. They had no idea what they were getting into. They were under the impression that they were going to get to sing on the second album. It was just all, the, I felt like it was a series of promises that they kind of kept getting that yeah. were never fulfilled. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a pretty sad story. And I think it was really timely for them in a way because it, it was a little bit, it was enough removed where I think the people weren't angry anymore. They were still a punchline. They still are today. Correct. People talk about it all the time. But the, the anger had dissipated. You're exactly. Right. Yes. Like that was the perfect time for them to come out and be like, hey, this is what we're doing. 
They even had Frank Farian on Behind the Music, mm-hmm. and he was very Frank Farian. He was very Frank Farian. I actually looked earlier to see if there was a way to like stream this, if this was online. Mm-hmm. VH1 has like nixed it. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that's about, well, but it, I will find it. It should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because it is one of the best pieces of music journalism, I think, ever. It is ever. fantastic. Um, but really, at that time, too, Rob and Fab were recording another album. Mm-hmm. And I believe, they was were- it with Farian? They were going to make a comeback, and mm-hmm. and this, uh, uh, yes, it was with Frank Farian. Uh, this okay. was uh, 1997, so that must have been about when the Behind the Music I episode was like made friends, or they were like, this is the only way we're going to get famous again. We got to team up with Frank Farian. He knows what he's doing, so, kind of. Yeah, that was like sort of the ending to the episode where, mm-hmm. where they were able to bring it around and say, hey, by the way, we're we're doing this again. And, and the odd part was, yes, that it was with Frank Farian, which I don't really understand. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe Frank Farian is just like the ultimate Svenjali. <laughs> He's like I don't know. Frank Farian is um I don't know. I there really needs to be just like a documentary just on Frank Farian. Yes. He he definitely there's a wealth of information there. I, oh my god. Like um, what a guy. But yeah, the the episode ends really positively. You know, people are like, Oh, okay, now we get Robin Fab. You know, we hear a lot from Frank Farian. He looks like he looks like a jerk that whole episode. He really has no remorse. But it's very positive. It's like, okay, Rob and Fab, they're getting their lives together. Rob had had a lot of problems, like, with crime. Like, he had gotten into some trouble. Yes. He had some substance abuse issues. He was really getting it together. It, that was the end of the episode. And they're going to come for, they're going to do a comeback, and it's going to be fantastic. Right. And they Watch were, out, 1998. That's right. 1998 will be the year of Millie Vanilli, finally. And they were working on this record, and, and uh, they intended to tour it as well. It was called mm-hmm. Back and in Attack. Um, this yep. album has never seen the light of day. I know. None of it has ever leaked anything. Um, yeah, and- I read that it presumably has been destroyed, which like, it's like my heart getting destroyed, basically, Frank Farian. But well, I- And the reason for this, of course, yeah. was... Um, I don't like talking about this. Yeah, I know. It's sad. But uh, Rob Pilatus did die uh, and, and on April 2nd, 1998. He was found dead in a hotel room uh, in Germany. Yeah, you know who found him? Frank. Frank Farian. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Frank, always involved. Yeah, he seems to always find a way, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, but no, that was uh, the end of, of the Robin Fab comeback of 98. Yeah, and it, it VH1 did go back and, and yeah. follow up. It was a big story when he died, it too. Was. That was a huge breaking story, and it was like, I don't know, it was one of those breaking news deaths where you don't quite know what to say. Right. Like, I don't, you know... How do you feel about it? Indeed. No one, no one really knew the right way to do it. But yeah, it was uh, that was the end of Robin Fab. So yeah, Millie Vanilli Robin comeback Fab. never happened. We never heard that. That I guess it would be technically the third Millie Vanilli album. I mean, um, it just depends on how you want to define Millie Vanilli. I guess so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a very 1998 can... thing to say. Do you know what the definition of Millie Vanilli <laughs> is? Very. <laughs> um, but not all sad. Um, I think we definitely need to talk about what Fab Morvan is up to now because he has he kind of did some like motivational speaking for a few mm-hmm. years, um, but he is back in the studio now. And I mean he's he's released material here and there, but um, this is this is the best. Do you know what he's up to now? Oh God, <laughs> he is recording an album. Allegedly, this was uh, around a year ago. Is the latest Ooh. update on this? Um, he is working on an album uh, with John Davis called Face Meets Voice. Uh, oh, wow. John Davis was one of the singers wow. on the original Millie Vanilli album. I've already bought it in my heart. <laughs> right? 
So that is what he and Fab are up to now. They have appeared on German TV singing together, singing a bunch of Millie Vanilli's songs. They did a really great medley uh, on a German talk show um, together, and they sound wonderful together. Um, oh. They per- also performed uh, in Germany on uh, New Year's Eve 2015. Wow. Uh, we'll put these videos up, by the way, on the uh, episode page for this. Um, it's great stuff, and it, it really is kind of like, at this point, we'll say a happy ending for where the Millie Vanilli story happy is. Happy as it could be. Yes, I and I, I hope that they have great success because they, they really do. They both look great. They sound really good together, mm-hmm. um, and I, it could be a good thing. So we shall see. Fab is on Twitter. Should I... Um... Yeah, Should I stalk him? Let's hit him I up. I just followed him yesterday. Nice. <laughs> I was just like, this is, he only has like 2,000 followers. Really? Right? See, right? more people need to be on the Millie Vanilli train. Millie Vanilli is Millie good Vanilli stuff. is fantastic. Whoever sang it was great. Um, the The persona was great. Like, I, I still have, it's one of the few cassettes that I still have. I mean, yeah, for me, it all comes back to the music. The music was wonderful. It really was. And... Rob and Fab were still part of that to me. You know, they were they were the image. They brought Millie Vanilli to life, mm-hmm. um, and I respect them just as much as I respect the the people who sang on this record. And I think also what is very important to note, there wasn't a lot of their stuff released digitally once like internet music stuff came out. Right. It's starting to now. Oh yeah. Um, I actually noticed because I was you know just listening to a ton of Millie Vanilli before this. I actually noticed on Spotify they usually they had like four songs that were kind of remixed weird. They have a ton of stuff now. They got Millie Vanilli Greatest Hits, whatever that's supposed to mean. <laughs> um, but I mean, there's like a bunch of stuff now you can listen to, like a bunch of stuff that wasn't really released. Well, that Frank Ferry probably figured out that Retro was in. I know. Now he's like, I'm like sitting there playing it over and over, giving him and like now he could $500 t- million. Dollars, <laughs> he but, can you know. continue uh, making money off of Millie Vanilli. He's not really that old either. He's only like 70. Well, there you go. He can still keep doing this. Come on, Frank. I'd work with Frank. I'm not sure. If would I you would. work with Frank? Probably not. I mean, I, I'd, I'd work, like I'd get a good lawyer to read the contract. I'd work with Fab. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. So here's wishing everybody, all these players in this uh, weird tangled web, uh, all the best in and their I wonder future if it's, endeavors. And we'll uh, maybe we'll check back if things get weirder. And I think we'll just leave it there. Yeah, that's probably the best way. <laughs> so you can uh, check us out on our website, offbeattrackscast.com. We're going to put all kinds of videos up on the episode page for this, including those uh, live performances with Fab and John, which you should watch because they're awesome. And that is like, I guess, the future of Millie Vanilli, if that is a thing. <laughs> Whatever they're called now, we don't know. I guess we'll check in later. Uh, but we are also on Twitter at offbeattracks, and you'll be hearing from me very soon, Fab. Yes. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Danielle. See you.